0: From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today we're going to talk about a technique that can be life-saving with Upstate's Chief of Trauma, Critical Care Burns, and Acute Care Surgery, Dr. William Marks, and with Upstate's Trauma Program Manager, Jolene Kittle. They're both here to discuss bleeding control, the use of tourniquets, and a free program called Stop the Bleed that's a project of the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Well, we all remember the horrifying mass shooting in December 2012 at Sandy Hook Elementary where 26 and seven-year-olds and six adult staff members were gunned down. Dr. Marks, what did we learn from the autopsies?
1: Well, the autopsies were attended by um, a trauma surgeon from the University of Connecticut, Lenworth Jacobs. He went to all of the autopsies and He went there with the intent to see what could have been done to save more kids' lives. And the one thing he found is that there were five or maybe six children who bled to death from extremity injuries. And if they had a tourniquet, he thought, they would have been able to survive.
0: A tourniquet applied by someone who knew how to apply it or put it on. So, okay, so let's get into first uh, the basics of controlling... Um, bleeding, serious bleeding. So what's the first step?
1: First step is direct pressure with um, bare with, hands with whatever with bare you got. hands, with your shirt, with your t-shirt, with any piece of cloth just to push down on it, and that'll stop and control most bleeding initially.
0: So if, the per, if there's clothing on, do you, you just press on press, top of the clothing? Press on top. Okay.
1: If you have to. If you can get it down to, to bare skin, it's better. But if you have to just do it over the clothing, put pressure on it while you get the clothes out of the way.
0: So in old first aid classes, I remember being taught to elevate. But yeah. that's not
1: necessary? That's, that's not advocated anymore at all. Um, it, it really doesn't do anything to control bleeding, and it really doesn't help bring more blood to the, to the heart. Um, so we don't, we don't advocate that anymore at all.
0: Okay. How long does it take to stop the bleeding?
1: Well, if you have direct pressure and you can put it right on the injury itself right away, you can stop the bleeding. You can control the bleeding at that point. Okay. You can stop the blood loss. But you have to keep direct pressure on the injury. The
0: co- continual.
1: Continual. The okay.
2: The intent behind this is in a situation that you described uh, earlier, is that EMS or emergency medical services most likely would not have immediate access to the patient due to the nature of what's going on. So this would provide the intervention necessary to save the life during that interim before professional before the helpers get yes this. okay that makes sense
0: so. Um, if the direct pressure isn't working, um, and then you're looking at needing a tourniquet,
1: right for an extremity injury, you just use extremities, arms and injury. legs. Uh, tourniquets don't work on the trunk of the body or the neck or the head. Okay. So it's any extremity that is bleeding. A tourniquet works very well so for.
0: So tell us what a tourniquet is.
1: So a tourniquet is a piece of material. Now they're they're made out of um, some sort of a rubber plastic type material that goes around a, an extremity and then is cinched down. You pull up on a strap that has Velcro on it and put that down tight. And then there's what's called a windlass. It's just a, a piece of straight plastic tubing that's attached to the tourniquet. That you twist around until the bleeding stops. And then there's a way to secure it to the tourniquet and it just stops all the bleeding. So it's
0: really tight
1: It's really uh, tight. Strap it's really something. tight and it's not meant to be taken off.
0: So um, these, do they go on the wound or above, above the it, wound. Above
1: they it? go above the wound.
0: Okay, and they've been around for they've a They've been around
1: for decades, thousands of years. Um, you know, they were used a lot in the Civil War where there were a lot of extremity injuries, um, but they didn't use them consistently, and a lot of the, the soldiers um, died from that it, it really took off again recently with the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan where the soldiers, the marines, the SEALs are out and they're either in vehicles or on foot and they run into IEDs. There's and explosive, e- explosive devices. yeah, explosive device, improvised explosive devices. And so the, the body armor that they wear protected the, the trunk of the body, but it doesn't protect the extremities. So when the soldiers would go out on a mission, they would place tourniquets on their extremities, not cinch them down. And so that if they had an IED um, event and if they had injury to an extremity, they could actually tighten their own tourniquet and stop the bleeding and save their own life um, doing that.
0: Well, um, if you use a tourniquet... Um, and it can be life-saving, certainly. But if you, is there a way to misuse them? Cause, uh, well, if
1: you, don't have, if you don't have an obvious bleeding source, it's not going to help. Um, say somebody has a, a fractured hip or a fractured thigh bone or a shin bone. Unless the bone is outside of the skin and there's a lot of bleeding associated with it, the tourniquet's not going to do anything.
0: So it's really only for uncontrolled bleeding? Yes. Because um, I think the fear is that, you know, if you use a tourniquet, the person's going to have to be uh, amputated leg or but arm after.
1: There are a lot of misconceptions about that. You know, in the, you know, when you go back decades now between World War II and, and now, um, there were thoughts that you put the tourniquet on, you had to release it every two hours, four hours, six hours to let blood go back to the rest of the extremity, and that's really not true. Um, You put it on, and the tourniquet should not come off until the patient gets to the hospital.
0: Okay. And I saw in some of the kits, they they want you to write the time that the tourniquet tourniquet is put on. Right. What is that
1: for? Well, that helps us determine whether or not we really want to try to repair an arterial injury or if we should repair an arterial injury or if we should just move to an amputation. Um, If a tourniquet's been on 10 hours, let's say... Um, though the extremity is not going to remain viable, if it's been on an hour, well, there's a lot we can do to fix that extremity.
0: Interesting. This is Upstate HealthLink on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, talking with Upstate Trauma Chief Dr. William Marks and Trauma Program Manager Jolene Kittle about efforts to educate the public on how to control severe bleeding. So, Jolene, I want to ask you about the Stop the Bleed program um, that Upstate Trauma Service is involved in. Tell me, tell me what that includes.
2: So this is a, a national initiative by the American College of Surgeons that's pushed out through the trauma centers with the intent that the trauma centers will bring this program to their region and their communities. This is a way to have Lay people implement the strategies that Dr. Marks was speaking about earlier. In event in the event that a situation like this occurs, to provide the education um, and the resources necessary, so that anyone involved in a situation like this, especially where EMS can't get to a person, that anyone can help.
0: So we're talking about active shooters or mass shootings kinds of things, but also car crashes or any type of
2: trauma. It was derived from the mass shootings because typically that's when you do have the prolonged you know the inability of EMS to get to the patient, but yes, any kind of active uh, bleeding where a person would probably lose their life, can this can this can work? Okay, so are there um, classes or? Are you- you're you have the ability you're looking to train
0: people to put on classes yes
2: we are looking to both have direct trainer um, train the trainer classes and the intent with that could be to go to a place of employment or a public place and provide training to people to become trainers to then disseminate this program to their employees and also have open to the public classes to provide the provider classes to anyone who is interested
0: Okay, so the intent is for um, members of the public to learn how to control bleeding through the use of direct pressure or tourniquets or whatever, and there's some kits.
2: Yes, and the kits are, they're very simple. Um, the principles behind this are very simple. It's just, its simply to just apply pressure with anything that you have, whether it's your hand or gauze, or there's special gauze that also comes in the kit that has a cladding factor, which provides a little extra support. Um, the kit has the, that gauze, it has um, gloves, and it has the tourniquet. So it's very—it's just very simple. It's not meant to be, you know, it, the training is just about those very simple principles. It's not meant to intimidate anyone. It's um, Anyone can do it. So are police and first responders, do they
0: already use kits like this, or do they have them on them, or out in yeah. the...
1: Uh, I'm not sure about the police, but most of the EMS services now carry tourniquets, and they have the gauze and everything else to to apply direct pressure and, and help stop the bleeding that way.
0: But are there other places that it would make sense to have these kits available?
1: Well, any large public place, um, you know, the world's not the same as it was 15, 20 years ago. And large gatherings seem to be um, attractive to people that want to hurt other people. So having kits in areas like the Dome, like Destiny, in your church or your synagogue, um, at the grocery store, um, in your car um, is a great way to, to be able to, to uh, you know, have a kit available to you. Uh,
0: There's already AEDs that we see in a lot of those places, so maybe it would make sense
2: that these would be nearby. Yes, the deployment of the kits would be a similar strategy to that, where they're well-known where to find them and easily accessible to anyone. And our goal would be to have everyone in our community and region to be able to have this information and participate in this if something like that should happen.
0: So on our website, we're going to link to the trauma program, but I'll just give the phone number of 315-464-4773 for anyone who's interested in learning more about this program or getting involved in it in some way. But Dr. Marks, getting back to the bleeding patient. So what happens when someone arrives at the emergency department, the hospital with a tourniquet on or with, you know, massive severe bleeding? What well, Do they go it, straight to the operating room or?
1: It depends. Um, If it's an abdominal injury, they go straight to the operating room because there's really no way to apply direct pressure or anything else until you open the abdomen and see what's bleeding and you can put pressure on it at that time. But on an extremity, we would tend to do our normal trauma evaluation, which is a head to toe examination. We would get x-rays of the extremity. And then at that point, depending on when the tourniquet was placed, we would decide to either go right to the OR that time or we may go to um, interventional radiology or or, um, the vascular interventional suite where the vascular surgeons or the interventional radiologists could put a stent in to cover a bleeding site um, and avoid a trip to the OR if possible. But it depends on the patient's condition, it depends on on what's in, you know how they're injured and how long the tourniquet's been on, but we we go out of our way to try to save extremities and not sure. not amputate them.
0: How do you tell um, how much blood a person has lost and whether they need?
1: Well, there are there are a number of ways you can do it. Their heart rate, their blood pressure is is one way. Um, lab tests really are not helpful when you see a, a trauma patient initially. Um, they really don't tell you whether they've had a significant blood loss or not. Um, we, we also, um, have orthopedics down and they'll help us with, uh, stabilizing a fracture so it doesn't keep moving and keep bleeding.
0: Okay. Um, and finally, I just want to ask if there's any new ways of controlling bleeding on the horizon that you're excited well, about.
1: Yeah, there are, there are a number of things. Um, you know, DARPA, the, the uh, Army's Research and Development Program, has been working on a uh, foam that if somebody is shot in the abdomen, it would have a nozzle on it that you would put through that hole into the abdomen and you would press the button. And it's kind of like uh, foam insulation. And it covers things in the abdomen, and as it, as it sets up, it puts pressure on things like the liver, the spleen, the blood vessels in the abdomen. Um, it, it's not ready for prime time, but it, it's pretty close. That's and interesting. so the military's you know, testing that right now. Um, I think that's the next biggest advance uh, in, in stopping the bleeding.
0: Wow, well, very interesting. Well, thank, I want to thank both of you for being here um, to talk about the Stop the Bleed program. And uh, I'm Amber Smith, and this has been Upstate's Health Link on Air.